Uh, as you know, we're, we're starting a new series on heaven. I've been wanting to do this um, for a while, and um, it's a topic that I definitely wanted to broach for a while. And, and, and what's interesting in my studies, uh, in my preparation for these series of messages, I, I found really very little on the topic of heaven in our world today. In fact, many of the books, if you've noticed, that have been written about heaven lately comes from uh, near-death experiences and, and often can be very subjective and have, there can be some authentic elements to it, but also many elements that are unbiblical. And so the question that, that I want to pose to you this morning, and I, I kind of want to just give you an introduction uh, to the, the series today, where, uh, to the whole uh, series of messages on heaven and hell. I want to just give an introduction of, of, of why heaven. What, what's the purpose of heaven? But in all the research that I've, I've done, it's interesting that uh, there's not a lot of in-depth uh, reading about heaven. And so the question I want to pose to you this morning is this, is heaven real? And, and if it is real, why do I need someone's near-death experience to prove that to me? It, 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 here, let me just just throw this right out this morning, just to, just to, just to make things controversial right off this morning. Um, what's interesting is when we have the Word of God that shows us what heaven is, wh- what it's like, and, and how we get there, people are kind of disinterested. But all of a sudden, somebody has a, a death experience, a near-death experience, writes a book, and it goes on the bestseller list. Am I the only one that thinks that's a little peculiar? All of a sudden, we get excited and the books start getting passed around. Pastor, have you read this book about someone's 90 minutes in heaven, five minutes in heaven, four days in three minutes and five seconds in heaven? It's this new book. Now, listen, listen, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but all of a sudden... We get excited when someone writes a book, when I'm saying, uh, hello, we've got the Bible. And the Bible talks about that. And Jesus died and rose again. Do we need anything more than that? Can I get an amen this morning? My orange juice was expired, so I'm a little excited this morning, okay? Just warning you right now, I'm excited this morning, if you can't tell. So, uh, listen, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong to read those books, but what bothers me as your pastor is that all of a sudden we get excited and the books start flowing. Everybody starts passing around. You got to read this book, and it's on the bestseller. I'm like, listen, we've got the book, and it's the Bible, and we need to look into that book to have the truth about heaven. If that has to be your source, that has to be the basis. Otherwise, it's going to be very subjective and it can be all over the place. And so I think what we need to cling to is the biblical truth about heaven. Because Jesus Christ is the one who conquered death, the one who prepared the way for us to go to heaven. So we need to understand what that's about. So here's the other topic I want to address today that that I think that church and orthodoxy is moving away from, and that's the topic of hell. Now, that's not fun. It doesn't give you warm fuzzies when we talk about hell. But guess what? Jesus did talk about hell. And that what I'm seeing now in the church is there's a moving away from the doctrine of hell 
to a more universal uh, type of language that everybody eventually, love wins out, everybody eventually gets to go to heaven, and we're moving away from the doctrine of hell, which Jesus talked about. So we need to be very biblical here. We need to go back to the Bible and say, why, why are these things important? Because the Bible speaks to both. We, we can't talk about heaven without talking about hell either or addressing the topic of hell. And I know it's much easier to talk about heaven because we all want to go there and we need to ask ourselves, is, is heaven the default destination and does everyone get to go? We need to answer those questions. And we hear people say when, when, when people die, oh, they're in a, they're in a much better place, right? We, we don't know really what to say. And we need to understand from, from, uh, from the Bible who gets to go there and, and what is the, the purpose of, of heaven. So the basis for our study for the next couple of months is I'm going to use John 14, love John 14, because Jesus speaks to his disciples concerning heaven and the importance of heaven. So what he says here in, in John 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, listen to his disciples. They're worried where Christ is going. He says, I'm going to leave you uh, in just a little while. And they're like, Jesus, where are you going? And, and, and how do we know the way? And, and they're, they're worried. They're, they're anxious. And Jesus says probably the most comforting words in all of the Bible where he says to them, listen, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. King James says mansions. It, it, it kind of, not a really great translation there because really many rooms really means a dwelling place. It's a, it's a big place. The, the idea there of mansions, it's a, it's a huge place. It, it's not a literal mansion. Some people say, all I want is a little shack. That's all I, Lord, just give me a little shack by a nice fishing stream, and I'll be okay. That, that's not what that verse means. It means a dwelling. It means it's so large that there's enough room. The, 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 God one day is not going to put no vacancy. We're full here in heaven. You know, we're full. There's no more vacancy. We, 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 can't, we can't take any more people. What Jesus is saying is, listen, in my Father's house, it's a big dwelling place. There's a lot of room there. And he goes, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going there. I, I know what this place is already like. I, I've been there. I've lived there for eternity. I, I, I know what it's like. Um, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I, I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to prepare it for you. I'm going to get ready to go to the cross. And I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. Three days I'll be in the grave, but I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to go to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. That's how I'm going to prepare it for you. Watch how I prepare it for you. And so Jesus knew with confidence what he would do for his disciples. He knew that they wouldn't have to be worried about it if they trusted in him. So no matter what you're going to go through, no matter the trials that you may go through, you don't have to worry because I've already prepared it for you. And this is a wonderful place. So don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't, don't let the world immerse you in its problems don't worry about it. I'm preparing a place for you. 
Let me just recommend a great, great book for you. I don't recommend a whole lot of books from the pulpit, but this one I want to recommend to you. It was a great, 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 exhaustive resource for me in the study, and it's Heaven by Randy Elkhorn. In fact, we're studying it in Sunday school to parallel the messages here. So if you want to get deeper, the Sunday school teachers are much smarter than me, so they'll really dig into it. 10 o'clock after the service, go to the fellowship hall, study, and we're going to go, we're going to really get deeper into the topic of heaven. So go to Sunday school and, uh, and study it even deeper with a lot smarter people than me. So, so here, here's what I want to look at. Why are we not more interested in heaven? Why are we not hearing more about the topic? And, and I think one of the reasons why we don't hear about the topic of heaven as much in the United States and churches in the United States I think one of the reasons is, is we're, we're, we're kind of comfortable. And when you begin to hear things like, you know, you can find everything you want here on earth and, and we live in a very comfortable society and we get a lot of our needs met here living in America, I think the topic of heaven is not that important to us. We, we think to ourselves, that, that we're going to live forever. We, 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 we buy into the lie that if I'm healthy and I work out and I do all stuff, I can live. But how do you know that we're eventually going to die one day? In America, the, the topic of heaven or even the topic of heaven in churches is not something that I hear a whole lot about, spoken about or preached about today. I, I, I begin to think about this. What person, if they go on a trip, or move to a new area, absolutely learn nothing about where they're going. I mean, if you're going on a trip, you want to know about that area. You want to study the area if you're going on a vacation. If you're moving, if you're smart, you want to learn, where am I moving to? What's it like? What are the school districts like? What are the, what's the economy like? What's, the, what's around there? What, what, what's, the, what's the climate like where I'm moving? You want to study it. When, when Kathleen and I and my family moved from Charleston, South Carolina to Ontario, New York. Um, I originally grew up in Arundaquite, which was about, it's about 14, 15 miles from Ontario. And, and when we began to research churches to go to, and, and, and I heard about this church, Living Word, had an opening for a pastor. I said, where is Ontario? See, for me, Ontario was 315 country, Right? hillbillies, Jed Clampett lived over here. I had no, I, I, I never, I never crossed the border into Wayne County, right? Now, I'm just teasing because we, we're 315ers now all the way. But in fact, my daughter, this is my 12-year-old daughter, Lily. She's, I overheard talking to my wife the other day. And she goes, we need to go shopping. And Lily goes, can we go to Tractor Supply? <laughs> what? What? My baby doll is a redneck all the way. She's got cowboy boots, wears the hat, wants horse. What? Tractor supply. She wants a camouflage baseball cap with tractor supply. What? My baby, what? So, <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus. So, so what I did was, as I was living in Charleston, I had no idea what Ontario was like. So I, I went on the website, the Ontario Town website. I go, I'm going to learn a lot about the town. 
So, you know, this is 1999. You know, the websites aren't that slick and developed as they are now. And I went on there on the front. I'm not kidding you. True story. On the front of the website was tractor supply. No, I'm just teasing. Was <laughs> on the front of the website was the Ontario water tower. Yeah, you you what? The Ontario water tower? That's what you got to be proud of? Is the water tower? I'm like, what kind of town am I moving to here? And uh, you can see it from our house. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful Ontario water tower. Just wonderful. We're proud, of, we're proud of our water in Ontario. We are. We have great, wonderful water in Ontario. So listen, you, you, if you're moving somewhere, you want to research. I, you know, I, I, listen, the most important question that you'll ever ask in your life is this, where will I go after I die? That's really the most important question. And that's why this one gets ignored the most. It's the most important question we'll ever ask in our lives, but it's the one we'll ignore the most. It's interesting, just ask people randomly, do you know where you'll go after you die? It's interesting the answers you'll get from people. It's, it's interesting, that, well, I'm not sure, um, I think so. Wouldn't you want to know for sure? I mean, is that a question that you want to have a big question mark after? Seriously? I'm not sure. But yet we live our lives day to day knowing that we are mortal. Knowing that death is impeding. It's, it's there before us. And we don't think about it. It, 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 it seems that we, we tend to think about etern, eternity when we're going through difficult times. In fact, the early, ter, the early church going through persecution encouraged themselves with the hope of heaven constantly because of persecution. In fact, many of the great Negro spiritual songs focused on heaven in the midst of their slavery. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home, gospel train, all came from the Underground Railroad. See, the one thing we're not promised is tomorrow, but we think we live forever. Let me just give you the reality of everything. Reality bites. I mean, here's reality. Are you ready? Let me just throw out some reality to you. I just Googled it this morning to make sure that it was right, because um, everything on the internet's true, right? So I, I just Googled this morning. The mortality rate in the world is 100%. It just is, okay? It hasn't changed. It's 100%. Some of you are like, some of you got that, some of you didn't. That's okay, it will come. It will come. It's 8.30, you'll come. So here, here's the reality. Three people die every second worldwide. Three people die every second. Somebody just died. Somebody just died. Somebody just died. 100, 180 people every minute, 11,000 every hour, a quarter of a million people die every day. That's the reality. That's reality. And we think, we're like, okay, yeah, people die, but, but I'm not going to die. Yeah, we are. No matter how much you try to buff yourself up. I'm 47, right? You that are 50, you're like, I'm going to buff myself. I'm going to go back and get that six-pack again. You know, I'm going to try to try to just 
hold it off a little bit. Listen, I don't care how buff you get, how slick you look, you're going to die one day. Psalms 39, David says it very well in Psalms 39, 4 and 5. Listen to what David says. He says, Lord, remind me. Lord, he's praying, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Lord, remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. You made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. Isn't that interesting? How many of us have ever prayed that, Lord, remind me how short my life is? Right? I don't think any of us ever prayed that way. Randy Elkhorn makes a great statement by saying, God uses suffering and impending death to unfasten us from this earth to set our mind on what lies beyond. It was even said of ancient merchants that, that they would write these words in large letters on the first page of their accounting, bur- uh, accounting books. It was, it was Latin, memento mori, which means think of death because they knew their profession had a high mortality rate. In fact, Louis XIV, king of France, decreed that no one could use the word death in his presence. And see, death is the most humbling thing for this reason. No one has ever conquered it, except for Jesus Christ. Now that I have all of you completely depressed, okay, let's, let, let's, 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 let's look at what heaven is. And so... The, See, the question that did get raised about heaven more than anyone else is probably where is heaven and, and what is it like? Where is heaven and, 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 and what, is it, what is it like? Before we dive into those questions um, over the next several weeks, I, I want to answer the question first of all, why heaven? Because we all have our idea about heaven. So we need to answer the question, why heaven? Why, why is it there? What, what's the purpose of heaven? Because, see, the Bible talks much more about the purpose of heaven than what's it like. For this reason, how many of you know it's very hard to describe something to someone where they've never been? Have you ever done that? Been to Hawaii. Now, I haven't been to Hawaii, but some of you have been to Hawaii. And you're like, it is just so beautiful. And the mountains and the water is just so crystal and it's clear. And I'm like, I've never been there. I have no idea. As much as you try to explain to me, I'm just not there, right? And, and, and then you want to show them the pictures. That doesn't help. It just makes me more jealous and hate you more, okay? So, well, look at the pictures. See the water. I'm not touching the water. I'm not smelling the sea. I, I'm not there. As much as... As much as I can see it, I haven't experienced it. How do you explain heaven? Something that is beyond anything that you and I could ever comprehend. I mean, the Bible can only explain it in in terms of things that are the most beautiful things here on earth, which can't compare to what's in heaven. So listen, before we try to to explain, and, and the Bible does to a certain degree, before we try to explain what heaven is like and where it is and so on and so forth, we really need to answer this question first. Why? Why heaven? What, what's the purpose? What is the, what is the purpose 
of heaven. And so that's what I want to I want to delve into because the Bible spends more time talking about this purpose than the where's and the what and what it will be like. Here's what we do know. We do know that God rules and reigns from heaven. God is is perfect. God is holy and nothing unholy can stand in his presence. Now what I want to do is I want to explain to you that the we have a picture, or we have a shadow, or we have a copy of what heaven is like found in scriptures for us. It's found in the Old Testament. And I want you to understand this morning that the temple or the tabernacle was a shadow of what heaven is like. I don't know if you ever knew that, but the Hebrew writer explains this to us. And this is where I want you to understand this morning that, that this setup of the temple explains to us the purpose of heaven, how God rules and reigns from heaven, and, and how we relate to heaven. And in fact, the tabernacle or the temple shows us how we can even approach God. So if God rules and reigns from heaven, and he is sovereign, and he is holy, then guess what? God has set up the rules, God has orchestrated for us how we are to approach a holy God. So let's, listen, heaven is for God's glory. Everything that God does is for his glory. Do you realize that God created you for his glory so that we could praise him back and tell him how wonderful he is? God did not create you because he was lonely. God wasn't up in heaven going, geez, I'm real lonely and I need to create Bar and Gerace to help me feel better. That's not why God, God created you for his glory and his glory. So we could experience and we could be part of his wonderful majesty. So we could reflect back to him, his glory and his praise. It's not about me. It's about God. And it's about his glory that you were created. And he wants you to be part of his wonderful, glorious presence. And he wants us to experience it. So the, the, the tabernacle or the temple gives us a glimpse into God's presence and his glory and what eventually heaven will be like. Does that make sense? Amen? Yeah. Nod your heads, wink, something, don't wake up, whatever you can do to understand. Okay, so, so let's, let's follow this. We see a copy on earth of heaven in the tabernacle or the temple. What God did was, is God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle that the Israelites could set up in the desert and take with them as they traveled through the desert eventually to the promised land. What God desired to do was to set up his presence right in the middle of Israel in the camp. So as the 12 tribes of Israel camped, they would be surrounded by this tabernacle or tent that God gave Moses instructions on how he wanted to set up so that God's glory could be in the midst of that camp. He would be the center. Everything would revolve around what? God's glory, around God. A little picture of heaven right there, right? And, and, and when it was done correctly and done right, God's cloud or his Shekinah glory would come over that place and the people could look to 
the temple, look to the tabernacle, look to the tent and say, God is here. Now, could anyone come into that place? No, God gave Moses specific instructions on what they were to do. So the tabernacle had to be built to God's specific instructions. And this would be a place where he would allow his presence to dwell. When they would bring the sacrifice to God, God would burn up that sacrifice, saying this sacrifice was pleasing in my sight. But no one could just enter into the tabernacle. God set up this Levitical system that only the priest, the high priest, could actually enter into that place where God's presence was. God ordained only the high priests to enter into that most holy place where God dwelt, where the Ark of the Covenant was held. And so the high priest would enter into this most holy place. Now, they could only enter in through a sacrifice. So follow with me here. The reason for the sacrifice is there had to be a payment paid for their sin. There was a curtain that divided God's presence from us. And God said, I'm a holy God. Nothing unholy can enter into my presence. There has to be a way that you have to approach me because anything unholy that comes into my presence will die. And so God gave specific instructions. The only way you can come into my presence is through the blood of a sacrificed animal. It's a payment. It's it's an atonement for your sins for that time that you can come into my presence. Now, the, the problem with that is, is that they realized that one sacrifice wasn't enough. They'd have to offer up sacrifice after sacrifice because they realized that atonement was limited to that time. So once a year on the, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they would come in and offer up that sacrifice for the priests and for all the people. And God would forgive them for that time for their sins. And that high priest could come into the presence of the Lord through the sacrifice of an animal. You see, the high priest was the mediator between God and man. He represented the people. And so when he would go in, not only did he represent his own sins, with the blood of the lamb, the blood of the sacrificed animals, but he he also represented the people to come before him to find atonement for their sin. So so this was a type of heaven. They were coming in. God was appeasing. God was forgiving their sin for that time. So the tabernacle was this, this copy or shadow of heaven. But here's the problem. What separated man from God's presence was our sins. It it was no different in those times as it is today. What separates us from going into heaven, let's understand the purpose, right? Heaven's not the default. Everybody gets to go there just because you're a good person. I'm sure these priests were good people. I'm sure there were some good people in Israel that, that honored God, that tried to keep the law. But how many know even keeping the law couldn't get them into God's presence? Follow me. They, they could be the best people in the world. Okay, I was good today. Walk into the presence. Boom, you're dead. God says, no, I don't care how good you've been. You can't come into my presence. Listen, you can't come into my presence without a sacrifice. Without blood spilt, without an atonement, without a sacrifice, because you've got to recognize that your sin needs a payment and you can't do it on your own. You can't come into my presence. So if you come into my presence, you're going to die. 
And you think, well, that's pretty harsh. No, it's not. God is such a perfect, loving God that he understands what's best. God is perfect in all his justice and God is perfect in all his grace. So what we see here is that there's a separation from God and man, and it was our sin. That's why God was so strict with his instructions on who could come into his presence. The priest could only enter through the blood of the sacrificed animal, the sacrificial animal. Now, let, let, let me look at, let's look at Hebrews here because the Hebrew writer explains this very well. Hebrews, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 9. So don't lose me. Follow me because it's important. We're getting somewhere, so don't lose me here. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's look at verses 3 through 6. And I want to look at something very important here because what the Hebrew writer talks about is, is there was a high priest who came into God's presence for himself and for the people, but that was a foreshadow of a perfect high priest that we see in Jesus who didn't enter in through a man-made tabernacle, but entered through a heavenly one, heaven. Okay, so we see the foreshadowing of the earthly tabernacle with the heavenly one. So Hebrews, you can, if you, you got your Bibles just or listen, there's Bibles in your seats, but just listen to me. Hebrews 8, verses 3 through 6. Every high priest, listen, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one to have something to offer. Speaking about Jesus, if he, Jesus were on earth, he would not be a priest for there are already priests who offer gifts prescribed by the law. They serve, listen, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on this mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a meteor, a mediator, and is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. So what the, what the Hebrew writer is saying is, Jesus is more superior. He is the mediator now between heaven and earth, just as the high priest was the mediator between God and man in this earthly tabernacle that was a foreshadow of heaven. Now Jesus has come, who is perfect in every way. He's not man. He is actually God. And now what Jesus is going to do is offer himself as that perfect sacrifice. Now follow along. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's go to the next chapter. Hebrews 9 11. Let's see why Jesus was the perfect sacrifice why there need to be no more sacrifices, and why the temple now becomes obsolete. The tabernacle now becomes obsolete because Jesus now fulfills all those things. He becomes the once and for all sacrifice. And so what, what we see here is Jesus, the Christ, is the perfect sacrifice, verses 9-11. It says, so Christ has now become what? the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once, 
for all time and secured, catch this, and secured our redemption forever. So what, what we see here is we get a glimpse of, listen, through the earthly tabernacle, we get a glimpse of how we get into heaven, period. We get a glimpse. We, we get a perfect understanding of how we get into heaven. No man, no priest, high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies without the blood of the lamb. And listen to me, no person can enter heaven except through the blood of Christ, period. See, it's, it's not your goodness that unlocks the door to heaven. It's Christ's righteousness that unlocked the door to heaven. He became our mediator. It was even said in the word of God that, that when Jesus died, the, the curtain in the temple that separated God's presence from earthly man was torn from the top to bottom, split wide open saying, there, there is no more separation now between me and you. There's no more need for this earthly tabernacle because you can now enter my presence through my son, Jesus. That you can experience his presence in your life right now as you come to him by faith. That you can have the hope that, that knowing that one day you die, that you're going to enter into my presence, not because of anything you've done. See, the reason why people, when you ask them, where are you going to go when you die? And are you sure you go to heaven? I, I'm pretty sure. You ask them, well, how do you know you're sure? Well, I've been a good person. Haven't killed anybody lately. I help people cross the street. I open doors for people. I, I give. I give to charity. I give to the Red Cross. I give, to the, I, give, I give, I give, I give, and I do these good things. I think I've been a good person. Is that enough? It's not. It's not when it's not done through Christ. Because there needed to be a perfect sacrifice in order to enter God's presence. Jesus ultimately became that perfect sacrifice for you and I. So here's the good news. Some of you here, you have tried to get into the door of heaven through your good works. You've tried to get in the door of heaven by hoping that maybe... We'll see, I don't know, hopefully, roll the dice, hopefully that my good works outweigh my bad ones, you know. Some of you have been trying to get through the door of heaven through your religion. Well, if I'm religious enough, right, if I do enough good religious things in the name of God, that doesn't work either. In order to unlock the door of heaven, we need to come to Christ by faith and believe that his sacrifice was perfect. And then what God says is when you, when you understand that, when you confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the, from the dead, what that says is, the Bible says you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from God's judgment. You will not be judged. The reason why God, listen, the Israelites, as they would come to worship the Lord, should have been judged for their sin. But listen, this is so good. God did not treat them as their sins deserved because the sacrifices symbolized one that would be done for them in the future through Jesus Christ. So what God did said, God was looking forward and saying, listen, I should kill them right now. I should treat them as their sins deserved, but I'm not because they're offering up this offering to me, this sacrifice to me. And I know one day that I will send my son 
and his sacrifice will not only atone for the sins that were committed in the past, the sins that were going to be committed in the present, and the sins are going to be committed in the future. I should have got an amen there, people. That was a good spot. Let's say it together. Amen. Why is that an amen spot? For this reason, you're going to sin today. Right? After the bills lose again, you're going to say something you're not supposed to say, right? Listen, listen. I'm teasing. They're going to win today. Let's pray. Lord, help them. No, listen, listen. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna sin today. You're going to sin tomorrow. You're going to sin next week, right? You're going to make a mistake. You're going to blow it. If it was dependent on you, we'd all give up. We'd be instant failures. But Jesus' death paid for that sin that you're going to commit next week. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. And the Bible says that we can come to the Lord and confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we've been trying to live in our own strength. We've been trying to get to heaven. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Bob Dylan saying, we're, we're trying to beat it down by our own good works, and we're not sure if we're going to get there. And God says, why are you struggling? And why is there so much turmoil in your life? Why are you trying to, and some say, well, I got hurt by religion. I got hurt by this church. Listen, put all that stuff aside. Man makes mistakes. Religion makes mistakes, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus made no mistake. So you need to look to him for your strength. You need to look to him for the hope of your salvation because without him, we have no hope. And so God knew that all the sacrifices that were given in the Old Testament, God knew that they weren't perfect. They could only cover it for a time, but he knew his son would be perfect and would cover their sins. So God didn't blink an eye to them God didn't change his character or his holy standards. God knew that there would be a perfect mediator in Christ Jesus. So we have to get that first about heaven. That heaven is where God resides. Heaven is perfect. Heaven is where God's glory is shown. And so when we enter into that, presence, we're going to be like him. We're going we're gonna to be able to worship him. We're going to experience his fullness and know all those things that are glorious to God. And we're going to worship him and thank him for who he really is. I can't imagine what, they, what, what that day is going to look like. But listen, the way you experience heaven is right now. Is right now. By saying, God, are my sins truly forgiven? Have I truly come to Christ or am I trying to bypass Jesus through my good works, through religion. The Bible says it's only by God's grace through faith in Christ that you're saved. Not of your works so that no one can boast. It's only through God's grace, through faith, that you are saved from God's judgment, period. That opens up the door to heaven where your security now is in him. So the question I asked you this morning close, who are you trusting? Moses had to completely trust God and have complete faith in God to listen to his instructions. He may not have agreed with it. He may not have understood it, but he completely trusted God. Moses may not have understood the futuristic symbolism of it in Christ Jesus. He may not have understood that, but you know what? Moses walked by faith.
Moses walked by faith and said, God, I'm going to listen to your instructions explicitly, and I'm going to follow them. And he did, and God honored that faith. The thief on the cross, you got two thieves next to Jesus on the cross. One's mocking Jesus, the other says to him, don't you fear God. And the thief said, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And, and Jesus looked at him today and said, today you will be with me in paradise. What unlocked the door to paradise for this thief who, belong, who should have been on the cross? God knows what he did. It was who he trusted. He had no time to get off the cross, go through membership class, get baptized, right? Go through some classes, right? He had no time to read his Bible. He didn't have time for that trusted though. He trusted Jesus. He believed Jesus peered into his heart and knew that he was trusting Jesus for his salvation. And Jesus was able to say to him, you will be with me in paradise. As Jesus died on the cross for all of us and the people that were watching him, he also died for us. That's the key. So who are you trusting today? That's the question. And Jesus says, all who come to me, I will no wise cast out. I'm not going to abandon you. Plenty of room in my heaven. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. The way he prepared it for us was through his own blood. That's how he prepared it for you and I. So the question I lay out to you as we pray. Are you prepared? If you were to know you were to die today, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you would go to heaven? It's all in who you trust. Are you trusting Christ? Or are you throwing the coin up in the air, rolling the dice, hoping that you were good enough? Man, that's not good. If you're trusting Christ... You can have confidence and peace that he has already prepared a place for you. And he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for all of us to eventually come home. Isn't that wonderful? So the way I live my life now is, Lord, you know my beginning and you know my end, but ultimately... You're in control, and that's why I have peace. And some of you here today, you walk with so much fear in your life. And I'm not saying that you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm saying you've allowed fear to creep in to that peace that Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. fear to grip in because really the, the fear is the fear of the unknown. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not, I'm fear. And Jesus, wait, 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 wait. Peace, peace, peace I give you. Don't let, and th he didn't say that they weren't going to live a hard, he didn't say that life was going to be a cakewalk, did he? He said, listen, peace I want to give to you, but understand that, that in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, John 16, I've overcome the world. That's where our peace comes. Jesus prepared the way for you and I. So where's your peace today? Are you struggling with fear? You need to come back to Christ and say, Christ, I need your peace in my life. 
that no matter what this world may hand me, ultimately, I'm in your care. And ultimately, you're going to call me home. I can't wait to go home. can't wait. Where's your peace? When I was a kid, my dad had this whistle. We'd be in the neighborhood playing football and getting in trouble or whatever. And my dad had this whistle. He didn't even use his fingers. He could just he would whistle loud. And that was the call to come home. So no matter where I was and heard that whistle, one of my friends would say, I wish my dad would do that. I wish he would call me home like that. He's going to call us home one day. And it was so great because I knew when I came home, it was a good place. God is going to call you home. And he says, just rest. Stop fearing. Why are you so worried? Trust in me. Trust in my Father also. For in my Father's house are many, many rooms. Are many rooms. And guess what? Jesus has already prepared it for you through his own sacrifice. So Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, pray for everyone here today. Lord, you know where they're at. You know what they're struggling with, Lord. And I pray today that they would put their hope in you. How many of you with your heads bowed, eyes closed, we're just, we're just with the Lord. This is just you and I this morning. How many would you say, Lord, you know, Lord, if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with things in my heart. And I just need to put my hope in Christ today, and I'm struggling with it. How many of you just by the raised hand would say, Pastor, pray for me today. That's, that's something I'm just, I'm dealing with today. Good. Thank you. That's, you're just being honest with God. Amen. The Lord answers those prayers. God answers those prayers. Put your trust in him today. Put your trust in him today. Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that, that you would fill every heart in this place as they turn their hearts in their eyes towards you. That, Lord, you would fill them with your peace today. That you would fill them, Lord, with trust, with faith, with peace today, knowing that, Jesus, you have prepared everything for us. I pray for those that have not turned their hearts over to you and have, have come to you by faith and have received your gift of salvation. I pray that they would do that today. God gives us the gift. We're just the beneficiaries. We're, we just receive it as we put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And I pray you would touch every heart in this place today as they turn their life over to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this closing song. If, if you just want to come up front and pray and you've got some things that you're battling with in your heart or you just want to lay before the Lord, I, I'm going to... You can come up and pray and just lay those things before the Lord. Um, it'll be open up front here for you to come and pray. and Somebody will come behind you and pray with you and lay their hands on you and just agree with you in prayer. But that, that's available for all you. I don't want anyone to leave without laying that over to the Lord today, whatever you're going through today. God is good, isn't he? 
We have so much to be hopeful for. So let's stand and let's just worship the Lord as we close in this time of prayer. If you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, just worship the Lord this morning. God bless you.
find satisfied in you, Lord. And I would trade it all for one day in your courts. Lord, I am satisfied. Oh, I am satisfied in you. Amen. 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 As I let you go this morning, let me just say two things. For those of you that just, you're, you're wanting to, you know, maybe you're taking some first steps in your walk with the Lord. There's a, a free booklet on our information table called What Now? Please take that. The Bibles in your seats are free. If you don't have a Bible, you take that. It's our, our, our gift to you today. But isn't God good? Let's put our hope in Him. Lord, just thank you for your word. You're so good to us. You never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can separate us from your love. And may we look heavenward. May we look to you for our strength. Even as we're going through difficult times, our hope is not here on this earth. Our hope is that one day we will be with you and you will call us home. May that give us encouragement as we go through our times of trial and trouble, knowing that we can have peace even in this world as we, as we travail, as we move towards heaven. We thank you, Jesus, that you've sec- you have secured it all for us, for those who put their hope in you. So go with us today, God, with that hope and that encouragement, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Amen, amen.
satisfied, satisfying you, Lord, and I would trade it all for one.